My name is Aaron McManus, and you are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. So today I have special guest, Matt Pagan. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so let me just let me let me just preface, give a little bit of an introduction to this episode and how it became uh, an episode, and also just a bit of our background. I'll let you get, I'll let you chime in a little bit, you know. Yeah, right. So here we go. So my dad decided to stand me up. He was supposed to be here. Was supposed to film this podcast, but he decided to go and do two podcasts with Lewis House, um, the School of Greatness. If you haven't checked it out, you should check it out. He's amazing. He's incredible. His story is phenomenal. But I guess they did an episode on the genius of Jesus and also an episode on relationships. And I called him in the middle of the podcast and he answered. And he says, Lewis is asking me about sex. Oh, wow. And I said, I don't, I would like to hang up now, please, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you want to hear that, go check out the School of Greatness. I don't want to hear my dad talk about that. So I'm going to just stay on our podcast. Oh, yeah, that's a cool thing. I, I don't know if I would have stood. Yeah, I don't know. It's what? a good reason to stand us up, you know? Yeah, it's a good reason to stand yeah. us up. So basically, Matt came in at the wrong time, and I said, yeah. hey, can you do this podcast with me? Let's yeah, talk yeah. about let's do it. all things Matt Pagan. Well, yeah, let's do it. Well, you you know, you're the one wearing the Pagan hat. I, don't know. I am. The, I am. And <laughs> so it's like, talk about it's it. so sun bleached and yeah. like busted. Oh, cool. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, what's up, Battle? What do you call them? Battle Ready? Battle Readians? Battle Ready? Fans? No, I, it's like, no, I just like, they're the family. Like, the, battle, family. the BR, I say the BR podcast family. BR podcast family. What's up? There is, Pagan. there is nothing like nice battle ready people. Yeah. I know. They're uh they're a good bunch. They they're good vocal. <laughs> they are they are vocal. They're so vocal. say you want to say hi to everybody. Yes, I want to just say hi to everyone. I know you introduced me, but you know, it's it's uh it's kind just to say hi, you know, in a in a in a foreign space. Give us your introduction and then I'll introduce you. Okay. Or do you want me to introduce you and then you can talk? Sure, I'll try. Yeah? Well, yeah. Well, my name is Matt Pagan. And I'm 31 years old. I grew up here in Los Angeles. Where'd you grow up in, in Los Angeles? Westchester, not Westminster. If you're from Westminster, it's okay, but Westchester. Aaron okay. always gives me a hard time for being from, <laughs> not even just being from Westchester. He just says, why do you always talk about you're from Westchester? I don't know. I think it's just because it was a really cool, like, blue collar town. And now it's like this, like, right, it's like adjacent to Silicon Beach. Okay. Which, which is Playa Vista. Okay. Which is where, like, Twitter and Facebook, and, Google, yes, have and YouTube, like, and then there's, there's like these million dollar condos down there, and it's just interesting because Howard Hughes actually owned that area. Yeah, and there's all these really cool like old airplane hangars, and yeah. my dad used to ride his dirt bike in there. So crazy. So it's just like a cool like, I don't know, juxtaposition or like just it, you know, as as we grow, like things change, you know, and yeah. it was like a, yeah, that's where I, like that's where I kind of find the pride in, it. and I'm like, oh, that's cool, like I'm right next to this really cool spot. But Westchester is not that, but it's, it's adjacent, you know? <laughs> and well, we used to live in Westchester together. Right. And, but let's, let's, we'll get season. into that. How many, <laughs> we've been, we've lived in five places together? Yeah, I think so. So we've lived in five places together, which is actually crazy because you've been married for a year now? Almost a year. When's, when's your one year anniversary? October 17th. You got, you got married middle of the pandemic. Middle of the pandemic. We did it backyard style. You did and it. We did backyard, and then we had a huge celebration afterwards. Yes, at a good friend of ours, uh, Omer. He was. Um, he worked at this place called uh, Bar Hermanito, 
and in the West Side. He lives, he now he, li- he runs a surf tour in, in Panama now. He's, he's just living the life. Living but the life. He uh, introduced us to these amazing people at Bar Amanito, and they they uh, opened up their, basically their whole alley for us. It was so cool. <laughs> it was just it was so cool. a blast. It was and it so was like fun. beautiful, because COVID, yeah. so that, the cool thing is that restaurant's tiny inside, yes. but big outside. Right. And they had opened the entire alleyway yeah. with like Christmas lights. Uh-huh. And it was amazing. And they had just set the whole thing up. And it yeah. was like, they, they they were like celebrating with us. And it was fun. We made friends. It was cool. It was fun. And yeah. then like friends crashed the wedding. Yes. That, so it was a great night. Yes, it was awesome. So, so yeah, congratulations a year, almost a year it. coming up in October. And you, you don't have kids yet. No kids. We, we have, have a puppy. You've got a puppy. And that is kind of like taught us that maybe we need to wait a little bit. For kids? <laughs> For kids. <laughs> We're like, a puppy causes this much turbulence. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, you know, but there's a like, it's been really fun. And I think, I think like. And, and you're married to And to we're who? married to, to Sammy who? Fran Turan Pagan. Sammy Fran Turan Pagan. It was, uh, it was like, you know, her name rhymes. So like. It does. To go Literally. to Sammy Pagan to, from Sammy Fran Turan is like, a, she's, it's been an adjustment, but she's been so willing. and She is and in my awesome. phone. She has been. In my phone as Sammy, what is it? Hold Fran on. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes, Sammy Fran <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex in my phone for the last five years of, I, of me knowing her. Yeah, yeah. But, um, okay, so let's, let's talk a little bit about growing up in Westchester because yeah. I, what the, the, would you call yourself a former pro surfer? Yeah, that one's tough. I don't, I, I think. What, what constitutes you being a, what, what, what constitutes being a professional surfer or not? Okay. I think it, it, I think it kind of dawned on me why I've had a hard time like owning this thing. Okay. Cause you grew up in, you grew up in LA and, and if you have ever surfed in Los Angeles, you know, the waves are, are pretty much like garbage. The worst is it, it can get. And that's Explain not to throw, it's not to throw shade. It's a, it's a literal, like, like geographic, like reasoning. Like the explain this to people because i you taught me to surf three years ago yes i barely surf now but i need to surf more but you can i can now and you can can ride a shortboard i can you could turn i I can't you can surf by yourself that's the goal you could go wherever you want in the world (laughs) and you could surf it's always been my goal i'm like i want to teach my friends so that they can travel and they could just do it wherever but i've learned a lot about the surfing world through you right and also (laughs) what not to do like don't have don't have what are they called um um surf racks on the top of your car yeah, that one I, I've grown just, to just throw Living them in, in the back. I'm like, I understand why people have surf racks, but you know, when you grow up next to the beach, you're like, I was getting your car, and you're like, like, you're not putting you're my roommate, you're not putting surf racks in yeah, your car, and I was like, yeah. why? They look cool, and you're like, they don't look cool. Just put it in your car. Don't yeah. be afraid. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like there's all these rules that yeah. I didn't know. So, were you a professional surfer or not? Yes, I was. And what constitutes being a professional surfer? So, what are the prerequisites? So the prerequisite. So it's interesting because <laughs> skateboarding kind of influences surfing a lot okay and skateboarding is like cool you know like everybody that surfs wants to be a skateboarder There's, it's a lot easier to skate than it is to surf because only some states have oceans right the culture is bigger right so when the culture is bigger there's like a really cool core culture you right. know where surfing's like only coastal well now you have wave pools which is like a whole different thing changing but, the world yeah which another is awesome. conversation another conversation another battle ready podcast uh <laughs> wave but, pools on battle ready <laughs> but uh but yeah um so yeah, like, you know, being like a, being a pro skateboarder would be like, you have a, you get a pro deck. Like that's your, like your skateboard deck with your name on it and over of like an established skateboard brand like Baker or, you know, whatever, like they, they put your name on a deck. It means something. Okay. The industry backs you. So it's like a, it's almost like the industry so once goes, you get your own model. here you go, we're going to celebrate, 
you know, whatever their name is, you know, Joe Smith, Eric Manis, Matt Pagan, whatever, as like that's the right, right. we recognize him or her as being a, a professional in this. Okay. Surfing's different. And but it's interesting because like if you look at the Dogtown era, which is kind of like close to Westchester, Venice area, Playa del Rey, um, surfing like really actually influenced skateboarding. And and it's and it but I think skateboarding, skateboarding was a means to get to the wave. Exactly. You Nobody surfed. Everyone wanted to with surf with your surfboard to right. get to the the beach. Right. So right. so I think people grabbed on surfing and they're like let's ma- let's market it. And it's uh, it's it's you know all these Hollywood movies are just it's it's so surfing what I'm trying to say is like it the cooler culture is really small. So it's harder to understand. It's a smaller subculture. Right. It's yeah. a really small subculture like the cool surf guys and surf websites you probably never even heard of before. No. But they just and they just and they just throw shade on everybody. There but, is, it's worse than sneaker culture. Right. So then being a pro surfer in LA, it's like, it's like, I, I remember coming to Mosaic for the first time and I was still surfing professionally and I surfed for Aruka like towards the end of my career, that RVCA company. And which is it? One of the majors. Yeah. They're right? like, yes. So like, you like, know, like Billabong, Quicksilver, uh, uh, like Roxy, but on Roxy, the side, which and, then, and, um, Billabong, Quicksilver Hurley. and Rip Curl and Hurley. And then Ruka would be kind of like right underneath all of that. But it Billabong was kind and of Ruka the, are the same company. But it, but not but but before all the conglomerates bought up everything. Right. Ruka was like the cool. Right. Pat Tenori built this company based yeah. off of artists and skateboarders and like really like prolific people. And you within go, that culture. And you go to their offices now because we lived in Orange County for yes. a year together, and we were living down the street, and it's just like it's like an art gallery. Yes. It's 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 very little about the surf brand totally. and so much more about like the ecosystem around yeah. how much how diverse surfers are and then they fighting training yeah like you they hired local kids they right. were skating surfing right. art right it was really cool for sure to and be it, around. To, it was like so synonymous with like what we do at mosaic or like just synonymous like what we do in our life like yeah it's a reflection of what pat did pat tenori who started is a reflect reflection of his life he's a black belt in jujitsu he he grew up surfing he grew up with kelly slater he you know what i mean like yeah. This was just like uh, an outpouring. The brand was just like a means to an end and, and it ended up like, you know, creating something. So, yeah. so yes. So, so wait, what constitutes a pro surfer? Being paid to surf. <laughs> That's where I drew the line. I was like, okay, you're giving me a paycheck or I earn money in a contest. I'm calling myself a pro surfer. For a long time, it was really tough because in LA, geographically, you live. So like the Santa Monica Bay, people would understand Santa Monica Bay, but Santa Monica is in the center of this like massive bay from like, Palos Verdes to uh, Malibu. Okay. And so then you have Catalina outside of Palos Verdes. And so in the summertime, south swells will come from the south up and they'll miss the, everything that's in the bay. It makes the water warm because you have all the currents and stuff like that. Right. But the waves are really poor in the summertime. So I was, I was constantly like constantly on the road, constantly, um, you know, like chasing waves, chasing waves, but like all in Orange County. So I have so many friends in Orange County because <clears throat> I would do that. And then uh, in the wintertime, we face... Uh, the Santa Monica Bay faces straight west and okay. north. Yeah. So any kind of type swell comes straight in. But because our waves are mostly sand bottom, there's no like distinct place for waves to break in the same spot. Yeah. So it's a like literal like mosh posh, like wild card. You're, you're, it is, it is, it is, yeah. as like someone who's learning, it's the most frustrating thing in the world because yes. you go to surf, to like paddle for a wave and then the sand break because it's sand break right. and the, the sandbar underneath it yeah. is shifting with the water. Yes. The great wave you caught on Saturday 
we'll be in a different spot on Sunday. It'll be in a different spot five minutes from for right sure. on Saturday. For sure. And it could just shift. And it's yeah. like soto shifts. It's 10, 15 feet, or it could be 20 yards. Absolutely. And so it's a completely different. Yeah. Like, so you essentially grew up surfing some of the worst waves right. in the country. Probably, yeah. But when it does get good, it's awesome. Winters in and the culture El Porto are incredible, right? And then the culture is amazing. It's like it's very like it's almost like East Coast style, where like the families back each other. Everyone kind of backs each other, and yeah. and like if you're doing it, you have like and it was just like incredible because I had people that were like you know two or three generations older than me being like cheering me on as I was like traveling and competing, um, you know, and because they did it and they yeah. kind of pioneered it for us, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. But I but growing up in Westchester, you're not in the South Bay. And then you're not really in Malibu. So you're just like this whole time I'm trying to find my identity. I'm like, well, who do, who's my like surf crew, you know? Yeah, and yeah. there's a couple kids from like Venice and Culver City. And then, you know, in Manhattan Beach and stuff because I grew up surfing El Porto. But that kind of became your crew. And, 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 and that's kind of like, that's kind of the cool thing about surfing is like you, you kind of find your crew like geographically. And then like. So it's very territory based. For sure. So like. We'll go to places and I don't even, well, I won't even surf, try to surf a wave until you've surfed a few. <laughs> and then they all see that I'm with you. And then they're like, oh, he's good. He can have waves. Yeah. But we've been to spots where they don't care about anyone. No. They're like, you're not a local yeah. on this wave. You're local over there. Right. Right. Tell me about, well, I want to hit a couple of things. Okay, I want to talk about ter the territorial uh -huh. tendencies in surfing. And I think we're kind of like that as humans. Right. But also you chose the hardest path right. to be a surfer, to be a pro surfer. Yeah. Why did you choose the hardest path? You could have moved to Hawaii. Yeah. You could have like done the pipe. You've surfed pipeline, which is right. one of the more prolific. You have surfed pipeline, yes. right? And yes. you and you like, well, there's like an, an infamous video of you falling. Yes. <laughs> Should we play that video? Yeah, you can. It's quick spirit. <laughs> and then there's also video footage of you surfing pipe really well. Yes. And you waited four hours for a wave of pipe. Yes. How how does that happen? So and then talk to us about like why you chose the hard way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's kinda it's kinda connected. So I I grew up competing against kids that were getting paid at 12 years old. Okay. I didn't start surfing. Just in, in a nutshell, like I grew up in a baseball family. My cousin played for minor uh, league baseball for a little bit. Okay. My younger brother was really good. I was decent. Um, I played all-stars and the whole thing. Yeah. 15 years old. I go to a tryout at Loyola High School and with all my best friends and I completely choke. I mean, I can't even tell you, like I, I was so nervous. That I was like shaking, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ball sitting on the tee in the workout. And I'm like, okay, I got to smash this thing because I'm, I'm like having the worst tryout of all time. And I swing as hard as I can, miss the ball off the tee. Like something like tee ball, like, you know, seven years old yeah, kid, like little kid would have like done it better than me, you know, like yeah. seven year old, seven so, year old Matt would have done better than 15 year old Matt in that moment. What was it? Was it anxiety? Was For it sure. nerves? Was it mental? For sure. And I think that like that kind of ties in like to my whole career is like, I had so many ups and downs because of, because of that similar moment. I learned later that like he was diagnosed OCD or whatever, yeah. but, but it, and that was actually really helpful for me because I was like, oh, at least I'm not like, there are other people that struggle with this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was like an obsessive compulsive or on this anxiety thing that like this like fear of the unknown was like so debilitating sometimes. Yeah. If I like locked in on it. And I was like so unknown that I wasn't going to make it and so afraid. But blessing in disguise, my dad is, you know, the way he is. And, and he uh, made sure that like, I literally had no free weekend. I was like playing basketball, volleyball, flag football. 
baseball. He and always then, kept you busy. Yes. And then all my friends are going out to parties and I'm like, yeah, I want to, oh, I can't, <laughs> you know? You can't do it. And, and That's so, so he was smart. He was smart. He, he was, was smart. smart. So when did you start surfing? So I started, my dad got me surfing when I was 12, 10. Started surfing on my own at 12. Because I missed a tryout and didn't make the team, I started surfing. I started doing contests because like my dad's, um, my dad's, uh, one of my dad's workers, his son, same age as me, was yeah. surfing and doing contests and doing well. Is that Matt? No, his name is Jordan. He okay. actually, yeah, he doesn't surf anymore, but he. Um, but so just for context, that's really late in the game. Right. Kids start surfing at like. I'm yes, it's a Four? late start. So Five? To, yes, to try and to start surfing at ten is like kind of like you're 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 kind of a, like on the later end. And then when I was doing it at twelve, like by myself, it's like okay, he's a rec most recreational surfers start that young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at fifteen, you start competing. You're like, it, you're kind of you. I, I felt like it was an, always in an uphill battle. Right. But it's everyone had started younger than you. Right. But okay. because I had that like. And I think it's just because of my family system. There was like this drive for like, I, I need to achieve, I need to achieve, I need to achieve. Like, and it was like an obsessive compulsive thing where it was like, I need to fill my time all the time. Yeah. I was driving home. I was driving from, at, you know, when I started competing, I was driving home from Loyola High School, which is in downtown LA, to Westchester, which is like 40 minute drive. And then I would drive to Orange County twice a week at night to train with kids, um, that were like my age and then a little bit older. Brett Simpson would be probably most well-known. He won the US Open twice. He was on the world tour. He's from Huntington. He was somebody we were training with. So I was like, uh, I need to surround myself with people that are doing this. And I was, that, was, that didn't exist in Los Angeles. Right. Not even anywhere near. Yeah. I literally drive to Huntington twice a week. To and be close to the best surfers. To not even surf. We were training in a, in, a, in, a gym. in a gym and it smelled and it was rented out. It was like somebody else's gym. That this guy Kevin Dean, who's awesome, he rented. He created like a culture. He created something of like for, teaching young kids off off the wave, right. To prep them for seasons. Right. And then yeah. once I graduated high school, I was like, okay, I need to film with this guy. So he was a physical therapist who literally show up at the beach at six a.m. So I would go from L.A. to Orange County, get there at six, surf with him, and film with him till like seven thirty. He went to work. I would I would come home, and we would build footage over time, and then that footage would get logged, and he would create a disc CDs. You know, back in the day, <laughs> and, we're getting old. And now. so he would put a CD in, in and every month we would do this. We would, I forget what we would call them, but we would have a, um, we would have team managers from like, so like the people that you like, you're like, oh my gosh, the like, people you want to, the scouts, the, the people, people you want to impress, yes, the scouts, the people yeah. you want to impress. So Quicksilver was coming in, Billabong, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost Surfboards, like all these people, like in the industry, like the heavy guys, heavy hitters were coming in and giving us uh advice watching the clips and doing a breakdown per person there'd be like eight people on this video yeah, yeah, yeah. it was awesome it changed it changed my surfing okay. and then i was addicted to that okay i was like and that's and 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 kind of going back to your original question is like why did i choose the hard path i think it was just i was i was born into i was born into a position where i was like if i don't work super hard at this yeah. I'm never going to get to where I want to go. I had people that I wanted to be like, Mick yeah. Fanning being one of them. Yeah. And then, you know, um, if you don't know who that is, he's a three-time world champion from Australia. Yeah, it's a big deal. He almost got bit by a shark yeah, he was five years ago yes. and it was like world famous. Right. Right. Yeah. And then he was surfing like the next week or something. For sure. Yeah. And and kind of what changed the game too is he ripped his hamstring off his leg before, before he won his world titles. Jeez. Just free surfing. And then he started implementing like, like physio, like physio ball training and all this kind of, he kind of was like the, the pioneer for like surf training and making right. it cool. Cause, it, cause in surf culture, it's, I don't work out. I just surf. For sure. 
Yeah, these kids are like pride themselves to be like, I don't yes. work out, I just surf. Yeah, like cigarettes and beer and yeah. and surf, which is crazy. Know? And then now you have an entire league, the world surf, the world surfing league. Yeah, you have these competitions, you have right. these world tours, right. and now it's become like this. Yes. I mean, it's in the Olympics this last right. year. It's become this elite program of not just you know right. surfing well but also like eating well training well yeah. living a lifestyle that's healthy yes. to ultimately see the results on at the end yeah absolutely and but for you you picked the hardest road because you wanted to prove people wrong that a pro server could come out of los angeles yes that's why you didn't move it's why because you could have lived yeah. in orange county you could have gone your dad's the most supportive dad yeah he's also crazy like all of our parents yes. but like he, he would have let you move to yeah. To pipe. Yeah. We, I mean, Hawaii. we bought a house. My dad bought a house. My dad didn't grow up with much, but he, and I think that's kind of why the reason why I worked hard is because okay. I watched him work really hard. Yeah. And then he provided for five kids. And one of the houses he was able to buy was on, on the North Shore of Oahu. He bought it for my mom, but he also bought it for me so that we ha could have a place. And for 10 years, I was going to, it's kind of the mecca of surfing. Like if you don't go to. From November to February. Yeah. The entire surf industry is in. Is Yes, it's changed now. Okay, okay. it's kind of changing. It's a, it's a really cool time. Like it's kind of it's kind of changing. But for the longest time, from November to February, it was like if you wanted to do this, you had to go to Hawaii and and be there and not just yeah and not be there, but also be out there when it's twenty feet. Yeah, and it's in breaking, the water. In the water. Yeah, because yeah. people know. People know. Oh, I saw him, or it's I crazy. saw her. It's crazy. Know? And then and then and if you're on the beach when it's pumping, you're labeled. They, they also see that. Yes. And yeah. they're like, there's got to be a really good reason why you're not in the why water. Why are you here? You yeah. Know? You're supposed to be out there. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it's this kind of machismo culture of like, it, it's like, a, it's, they call it proving ground. It's like, you're here to prove yourself. Oh, that's the title of this episode. <laughs> proving ground. Proving ground. So you, so you had to go to, so what was, what was the journey to the first moment where you paddled out at pipe? Oh. Because pipe isn't always huge. No. Like pipe is a normal right. break. Right. And then during winter, yes. it is a monster it monster. is its own entity it's like it will yeah. eat you alive and it breaks is it 20 feet yes so you, onto reef yes so you could go there right now or like in our like summertime and you could go swim out there and swim in the caves there's like caves in the yeah. reef yeah yeah it's about like three feet four feet deep it's yeah. still it's beautiful beautiful it's almost like a yeah yeah it's not break there's no waves in the, in the summertime really there yeah. unless you have this odd swell but in the wintertime, you have all these storms that come from the, from the north and it just, it's a, it's, it's so polar opposite yeah. and you have, we're going to show a clip. So yeah. when people like see it or yeah. they Google pipeline, right. they're going to, they're going to for sure. be afraid. For sure. <laughs> so what was the journey of like, what was the, mo do you okay. remember the first time you, yes. you paddled I, out I a pipe the, when it was big? I remember the first time I watched it. I was with one of my high school best friends. <laughs> we were watching it at the staircase and Volk, and it's really cool because like, that's the other reason why you're proving yourself is because every brand, um, Every brand that does anything cool rents a house on, there's all these beautiful homes. That are right on the beach. On the beach. And, and be, yeah. every brand that it does doing something in the industry rents the house for like 20, 30 grand a month and, and flies in their whole team. Their, and it becomes like the hub home base. Yes. And they put their best kids out you're there. You're shooting your product stuff. You're inviting like all your accounts. Your, all, some of your guys are competing in the, in the triple crown events. So you have all of that happening. And then you have the local kids and the local guys that are like, they have a career because all these brands are coming, but then they're like, this is my spot. So it's territorial. This is my house. It's local zone. You came here to my house. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. I mean, you don't, it, it is, yeah. it's, it's on a, because it's on a different level of, because when you mix the amazing like culture of Hawaii yes. 
and like the locals. Right. And then you mix a sport and then you put money and you put right. sponsorship. Right. And you and it's everyone's chasing for these limited amount of spots to sure. not only like compete at a high level, but to get paid to do it. Yeah. It becomes like volatile. Yeah. And you tell me stories about you'd yeah. walk up to the beach and there'd be guys like literally getting in fist fights. That's my first that was my first Okay, so walk us through watching it from the stairs or the first time you watched the fight. So I'm in between the two Volcom houses on the staircase watching pipelines like right there, like right straight there. So you're on the beach, you're on the, you're right there. One of like the, not to name names, one of the most localized guys (laughs) is on the beach, on the shoreline, straddling somebody. Just. Pounding them. (laughs) Like, just just fist in the head, the whole thing. And I'm watching this and I'm 15, 16 years old and I'm like, yeah. What happened? What am I going to do out there? What, what happened? <laughs> and I guess like usually when that happens is, is because like if someone drops in On and somebody drops in in front of that person and they're local. What? So. No, no. Just finish that statement. No, finish that statement and then tell us the local culture. Okay. So like when someone. Yeah. So when someone drops in and then someone drops in on you, what you're doing is you're ruining the wave for that person. And you're also putting them in harm's way. Because think about it. You have open ocean. Right. That's coming like. 20 foot seas breaking over a reef that's three to four feet. And it's, and it's like, it's like jagged concrete. You yeah, get yeah. stuck in these caves. Yeah, I have yeah. a friend that got stuck. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so there's like an element like where you can get really hurt. It, it's dangerous. It's, it's very dangerous. dangerous. So a lot of it is justified, but there's also like the culture of like, okay, well, this is how we handle it. Yeah. We, <laughs> are, we, they, cause there's, yeah, they regulate their own right. system. Exactly. Okay. So, so someone <laughs> dropped in on a local essentially. Yes. Because then locals get priority. Right. Locals will have, no matter, no matter who I know, yeah. what I look like, being from the mainland, I will always be lower on the totem pole. Than someone who grew, up, someone in grew up there. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I came to terms with being like, okay. And I, and I kind of grew up in- So you've got Hawaiians. Yes. And then you've got white locals. Right. And then you've got mainlanders. And it doesn't matter what color or ethnicity you are, yeah. you're a mainlander. Yes. And then you've got a white mainlander. Yes. <laughs> so you're, you're like five, six yeah. rungs underneath. For sure. Okay. And I learned like you, you know, you show respect, you get respect sometimes. Right. <laughs> sometimes. But you'll get more. You'll get more. You'll yeah. get more. And I, and I think it was one of those things where like I, I put 10 years of time in there and I still couldn't go out there and get the wave that I want. But- I've had the guys that grew up there be like, yo, this one's yours. Go. Yes. And some and there's times where I didn't go because it was I was scared. And and then you <laughs> and, and, and then the repercussions of that. <laughs> you repercussions meaning what? Because I think that's it's always like an interesting dynamic. And this is something so different, right? right. Like it's something so different than battle already. We've never really talked about this stuff before. Right. But like there is such a dynamic on local culture of surfing that i think is just fascinating to take a little like well there's so much in life in that right like right so like you know this this local guy says go like you basically he's like here's an opportunity to get one of the best things of your life and just as like like as a third party right so here's here's it's what he's saying go to is go maybe die yeah because if unless you can make it unless you have the confidence the ability right and you feel it right you're getting tossed into this reef yes. at, I don't know how yes. fast you're going, right. but 20 feet right. slamming you into rock, yes. breaking your board, breaking your body. Yes. And then you have to swim now. And get, I've done all those things. You've done yeah. all those things. But, but what's interesting is like- What happens if you don't go? What happens if you don't go? You're like, you're not probably going to be called on to go again. He's never going to give you a wave again. Yeah. Or there's always going to be that thing in the back of your mind, back of his mind being like, oh, he never went on that wave. So, okay. Why so, didn't he go? 
See, so what's interesting about that, the, psycholo- the psychology behind <laughs> no, that talked, is really cool, yeah. is because he didn't even really know me personally, but he's seen me enough to have more confidence in myself right. than I did. Okay. And like that, to me, is like psychologically, like, what was I thinking? I should have went. Yeah. I should have yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. Like, why does somebody else have more confidence than I do in myself? But, but it was cool being out there in a place where you could actually get, you're putting yourself in harm's way. There's risk. There's huge reward. And you're around people that are saying, go. Go. We have confidence in you. We have you confidence can do this. In you. Go. So why didn't you go that time? Because I didn't have confidence in myself. And so did do you feel like that psychologically affected you the rest of that day? It's like it, it's been a psychological effect since I missed the ball off that tee. <laughs> you know? So and, it, the, and it's like, and it's one of those things where it's like, it, it, is, it is such a mind battle. Like, yeah. you know, when you're doing anything like of, of uh, significance and like surfing is a subculture like it's but to me it was like a a big thing of significance you know i was like you know i was putting myself out there and 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 in the back of my head i I could have chose to either envision myself making one of the waves of my life and having that etched in my memory or you know i took the other route of envisioning myself you know dying on a wave (laughs) yeah like my heart in my mouth and like shaking and and missing the takeoff and and doing the you know during during the the full-on washing machine full-on washing machine so what do you feel like, I think there's some interesting takeaways here because I think one, it's like you, you've, you've expressed a few moments in your life yeah. where whether it was like you missed the hit of the baseball, yeah. you missed the tee, where you didn't go on the wave. But I've watched you in a season of life where I've seen you take the waves. I've seen you take the chance with the girl. I've seen you lead at a high level of mosaic. I've, I've seen you take risks. I've, you know what I mean? I've seen you take that class that you were training in when you were a kid yeah. and teach the class and yeah. me in there being like, what's <laughs> happening? I've yeah, been yeah. in situations where you've taken the risk. So what shifted for you? When did you stop letting waves go? And like passing, like letting waves pass you in life. When did you decide to like start taking it? Because I've also seen you be afraid and then take huge risks. Right, right. You right. know, when it, was there a moment where you were able to overcome the OCD or the anxiety or the... Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think number one, like one of the main things was like, just, you know, just trusting that like those feelings and those emotions don't last forever. Yeah. So like that, like when I actually like press back into them, when I don't let them like push me and trap me, that actually I can push through them. I can break through them. And like trusting that, like, you know, there, that like God is like, he's given me something to offer. Yeah. And that I just need to press through it. And I think number two is like surrounding yourself with people that see it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like you could trap yourself and isolate yourself and then not see it. Yeah. But if you're and, and if you're around people that don't really care and they're kind of on their own program, it's lonely. It's super lonely. I think one thing that you just said that was so interesting is that we can get so boxed in in our own thoughts and our own um, disillusionment or lack of confidence or just the self-doubt in our own self. And we have a lot of conversations about this. We lived together for years before you got married, before you left me alone. (laughs) And and now I'm just on my own. But but we have had so many conversations of like how to overcome fear. We we were both so OCD as kids. And we were like, how do we overcome how do we turn like our weaknesses into strengths? How do we turn the fear thing into confidence? How do we just trust and go on things when we're so afraid of, of things, right? right? And But I, I think it's so hard when you get into a place where like your blinders are on and you're ignoring all the people around you who are telling you you're amazing, telling you you're so talented because you were probably better than most of, I, there are so many surfers who surf well and could never drop in on pipe, mm-hmm. right? Totally. 
like they can get on a wave, they can do, they can make it look cool, right. but then get to pipe, they would literally like have a panic attack. Yeah, because it's so physical, it's so violent for sure. And I think it's such a reminder in our lives when we look at things in our life and we go, "There's no way that I can accomplish this task. There's no way I could go and talk to that girl. There's no way I could do this in my marriage or achieve this in my career." But then we have those people around us who are going, hey, you can do this. You're more than what you think you are. And if we don't have those people, it's one thing. You got to find new people in your life. But if you don't listen to those people, there's something inside of your own self that we have to like unlock and we have to open up. Totally. And so what do you think it was? Did something shift in you? Because there's people obviously you trust more than others. Yeah. So, you know, I've served with your dad Uh and I'll miss a turn. Yeah. And he'll be like, blah. <laughs> and he'll be yelling at me. And I'm like, I just started doing this. <laughs> but there's certain people who get in our heads. I know that when my dad was my coach growing up in soccer, I would literally want to be removed from the games because he would get in my head so much yeah. that I, I couldn't achieve what he wanted because it was so psychologically damaging for me. Yeah. He'd get in my head in yeah, the wrong yeah. way. So how were, were there people in your life that would get in your head in the right way? Or how would you get yourself out of those moments where you were just like, stuck like when you fell at pipe did did it give you more confidence or less confidence when i fell at pipe definitely like it was defeating but it, there was like a weird and this is what's interesting is like yeah you, you say that it's like falling at pipe or losing a contest i i had to come to terms with am i it was there was almost like a release yeah because i because i just did it even though i failed yeah i still felt like oh it's weighs off my back okay you know like i yeah. went for the wave and you I, tried and I, you know, I have seven staples in my head. My knees fractured, and you know, like massive, yeah, yeah, yeah. like swelling everywhere. You know, yeah. but but there was almost like a release, being like, oh, I went for it, I did it. You know, yeah. And like, yeah, was there like also like kind of a PTSD of like paddling back out? Absolutely. So okay, so when I met you, we were I pretty much had I didn't have very many friends in LA, right? And like, I think it was my birthday, mm-hmm. and I literally didn't have I had like three friends, two friends. They were mostly my sister's friends. I had like Eric and Tess and Tess was it, Mariah's friend. Yeah. And, and Eric didn't really have any friends either. <laughs> so it was like, a very, we were like a lonely too. And I like, I had a couple guys, but they were older or they were doing their own thing. And so Emerson on one of my birthdays brought over a bunch of guys. He knew how lonely I was and he brought you over uh-huh. and we hit it off and became friends. And then obviously like lived together and like started doing life together. But I remember watching you surf, maybe like in that first season where you were teaching me and you were going off. You were surfing better than you had ever surfed, probably in your career. Yeah. And I remember being like, could you still do it? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you were like 28 at the time. You're like, you're obviously like physically, you could still do it. Yeah. But you were like, I, I think I'm more free surfing now than I've ever been in the past. Right. What was that shift? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that shift was like, um, it's and, one thing, it's one thing to like, it's, it's one thing to like prove it to yourself. Like, okay, I enjoy this. I'm going to take it and I'm going to take it and I'm going to do it as long and as hard as I can. And I'm going to have my own personal like uh, goals and achievements and check in with myself. Am I right. doing a good job? Right. My childhood wasn't really like that. Yeah. I was so reliant on my dad's approval. Right. Or like other people's approval. Yeah. And that's not to say that was his fault, you know, but it was yeah. to me, it was like everything. I'd lose a contest and be devastated if he, if he, if he was bummed out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I think it took me to actually, I actually quit and I was like, dad, I need, I, I'm going to, I'm going to quit because he was helping me at the time. Serving, yeah. being, trying to be a pro server is not cheap. No. I had like four jobs at one time <laughs> to try and pay for this thing. And he was helping, yeah. you know? So, you know, I called him. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be one of your labor men. I need you to hire me. 
please. As a, as a construction worker. <laughs> as a construction worker. And, and, and I'm going to pay for this thing if I want to compete. Yeah. And I closed the door on surfing contests. And I, and I had done a couple, yeah. you know, from about 24 to 28. But from 24 to 28, I started doing, I started creating things. And I, yeah. and I always wanted to be a part of a team. Yeah. So my brother and I started making films and we started filming. And then I think for me, it was like, oh, this is something that I, I actually do enjoy this. It's tangible. So I think I got to a place, the shift was like, what did I want to create in my career? Yeah. yeah. You know, what did I want to create with this thing God gave me, but this thing I also like nurtured and this kind of skill set and like tool set I've developed. Yeah. What do I want to create? What, yeah. what do I want to build? Yeah. And I felt, I felt like I, for a long time, I was, I was, I was kind of almost like building the wrong house. Yeah. And, and, and trying to get, you know, the approval of the people that I loved. Yeah. And for me, it was like coming here, like to I was lonely too, you know, but I just had friends, yeah. you know, like just, yeah. but like deep down, I was like, man, like I, I want to build something special and being around you and Pastor Owen, like you guys, one of the first things he told me is like, you should start a brand. With your last name. And I'm like, you're like, in that's my so, head. you were like, like, that's so stupid. I'm like, I, I don't want to, it, it was a great idea and he pitched it beautifully, but I was like, to put my name on something and sell it, I was like, yeah, it was so like far away from what I thought was possible. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And we have to do a part two because we're, yeah. we, we, we've went 40 minutes and this is the introduction oh, to Matt Pagan. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I want to get into the brand. I want to get into like what we're doing now and how it's right. like, how like I want to get into the Zephyrs and the Willies and like all the young guys that we're yeah. kind of working with now doing right. Pagan and all this brand and how we've kind of you've created this like I don't know if it was accident I don't think it's accidental I think you always make things sound like it's accidental like oh my gosh we have all these kids and so cool <laughs> but like we were in Malibu a couple weeks ago surfing at this break and we had we had like eight kids one kid who's one kid was filming and everyone else was just hanging surfing. It was like right. eight, it was like six, five, six. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All in pagan boards. Yes. All ripping. Uh, and filming each other. Filming each other, running the lineup. Yeah. Like almost like embarrassingly. Like yes. they were rude. Yes. These kids are like, <laughs> these kids are like whistling people off waves. Uh-huh. And and it was like, and I didn't get it until we were in the water and and I'm hanging out there and I think I, I always fall on the first wave, which is always embarrassing <laughs> because they never give you another wave. And so I'm like getting up on a huge board because I haven't surfed in forever. And Willie is yelling, be like, Woo! oh, <laughs> oh, shoot. And I just eat it yeah. and fall. And he comes out, and he's like, bro, I thought you had that one. And he was so encouraging. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's 10 years younger than me. This yeah. 15 years younger than me. This yeah. kid's a kid. And he's awesome. And then I finally catch a wave. And he is screaming, <laughs> losing it. And this kid is yeah. ripping. This kid is ripping. They're surfing yeah. some of the. They're, they're surfing so well yeah. on 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 our boards, on yeah. the boards you have hand shaped. Totally. And it there was just this level of like camaraderie and and yes. loyalty and yes. like this team that I had never I hadn't felt mm-hmm. in any other way, other right. than like working here at Mosaic and right. maybe working at YSL right. at, at a time. And I just remember being like energized with this feeling, and I was like, man we have to talk about the community that's coming from yeah. the, the name Pagan yeah. and this the team. Idea. This, this idea. This, this like, idea of this being- like thought in the air. I know. Of this idea that you thought was so stupid. <laughs> and maybe that's where the podcast needs to go. Yeah. So we'll do a part two okay. where we'll talk about the day that my dad told you to, um, to talk about the name Let's do it. and build a brand. Okay. But I think the thing to pull away from this and the thing that I'm always constantly reminded by you is that I, I, I'm always dumbfounded at how- small you see yourself 
Yeah. Because to me and to some people around you, when they see you, you're so big. And I think a bit of it is, I think over the last five years of knowing you or four years being close is that I realized that it isn't that you see yourself small, is that you genuinely lift people up so much higher than they could ever see themselves. Yeah. And you always take the hardest path. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like yeah. you will always take the hardest path to help someone else take the easier one. Yeah. You will always build, you always do the harder thing to help someone else build something great in their life. Yeah. And so for me, it's exciting to watch you do this brand, to do these things, yeah. to build the way you build Mosaic, the way you build other guys, the way you build Pagan, the way you yeah. help these kids surf. You're always doing this thing to help build other people. Yeah. And so, I don't know, we got to get into that. We got to get sure. into the concept of under construction. Yeah, yeah. But I like this idea of proving ground that yeah. until you prove yourself, yeah. you, you, you don't find yourself. Yeah. You, taking that wave, falling, and yeah. almost dying was also the very thing that gives you the confidence to prove yourself in another area of Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I learned, you know, learn from learn, the best here. We yeah. learn from each other, bro. We learn from each other. All right. This is a random episode on about surfing. Yeah. <laughs> surfing, surf culture, being local, yeah. and kind of this idea of always going for the wave yeah. that's in front of you. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, you said something and, and, and it made me think like, I, and I maybe do think of myself that small, but I also like think, I think the biggest thing that motivates me is like, how much noise can I make through people? That's so good. You know, and it's I think- Open that, that up. Like how much, so like, I could, like, like I can speak on my Instagram or whatever. I can, I can inflate myself and inflate like who I, you know, I think I am, but I think I don't ever would ever want to do that because I would yeah. be afraid of like being fake. You're the most, <laughs> you're the least self-promotional person I've ever met. But, but I think one of the biggest And that's what I mean I, by making you small. Yes. I don't think you're small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're always just like, I'm secondary to everyone else. Right, right. Yeah. Right. But I think that thing, that I, and I've learned from this from you, and I, I think I th I've learned that it's okay from you is that it's okay to build other people and make more noise through them. That actually yeah. will cause more of a ripple effect yeah. than me just talking. Yeah. And I think that that's like one of the things that I really love. And I think that in this season of life, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to hold on to that one as long as I can. Yeah. And it's so funny because we were sitting at a dinner. That we said we we're going to end this podcast, but we're not ending it yet. Uh, we were sitting at a dinner and someone asked like, so Matt, tell me about yourself. Like, you were a pro surfer, huh? And you were like, yeah. I, and I was like, all right, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, you're not, you're not allowed to sell yourself. Yeah. I'm going to sell them. And I basically was like, I've never gotten the water in any beach. And someone hasn't been like, oh, you're Matt Pagan. You searched for this person and you did this. And I saw you do this. And you take the time to genuinely meet every single person, which is, I tell people, I'm like, he's the most famous person on the beach in LA. You don't agree with me. But I would say this, you have spent the time and you do the work to genuinely build conversations and relationships with other people right. and you see it and it pays off right. and you have all these relationships that I'm like, I don't understand. The pagan family is <laughs> always building something, whether it's a house or whether it's a family or whether it's like a relationship yeah. and you can see it pay off in the way that people speak about you, the way people see you and all these things. Thank so you. there's some things to learn from your life. Um, if you were listening to this and you're like, I don't understand what I just listened to, um, go Google pipeline Hawaii and watch a few surfing videos you will understand kind of what you go through when you're in the lineup and, yeah, yeah. and 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 also I think there's so much to learn like I think one of the first messages I ever preached in Venice um, was called new waves it was and it was this idea that like with life the same way the ocean always brings new waves God will always bring new seasons in yeah, our life absolutely I think that's such a huge reminder whenever we go through heavy times heavy moments that mm -hmm. like God that I'm a faith person, so I genuinely believe that God is always at work to build 
and to prosper us, to put us in new places yeah. and to bring peace into our lives and to really build um, a beautiful life for us. And so, but we have to step into it. We have to actually take the way. We have to go for the way. So we don't always talk about God on the podcast, (laughs) but I will say this, that like this, the ideology and the understanding of the ocean that I've learned from you has helped me understand my relationship with God, my relationship with people and the way that like life works and the way that everything kind of ebbs and flows. So it teaches me a lot. All right. We'll have to do part two soon. If you were listening to this for the first time, thank you so much. Please go and rate and review this podcast on Apple podcast. You can also watch this on YouTube. We're going to play that clip of Matt eating it uh, at Pipeline (laughs) and you will, you will gasp. Um, Also, we have a new and exciting thing happening. The genius of book club. Go and pre-order the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, wherever it is. And then screenshot it, DM it to the Battle Ready Podcast Instagram and sign up for the book club. We have over 300 people doing the book club together. And I'm really excited. It's starting in October because we're giving people a few weeks to, to um, read the first couple of chapters of the book. And then we are going to dive into it. So check it out. Pre-order the book. Sign up for the book club. The link is in the bio on the Instagram. Check out the next week's podcast. And check out our sister, brother, father podcast called The Genius Of with Erwin Raphael McManus. Go and subscribe to that. Go and rate and review it. His episode is coming out next week with Karen. I can never say her last name. Karen. Um, but she owns a restaurant in Mexico City called Nido. You've been. Oh, yes. And it's absolutely incredible. incredible. Go check it out. We shot it live in Mexico City. So if you if wow. you want to watch it, go and watch it. Check out this new episode. Dropping Monday night, Tuesday morning Ooh. on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, all the good things. All right, see you guys next week. Thank you.